Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, friends, thanks so much for listening to the podcast. And we want to make sure that you know about all the other exciting ways to get more exclusive content from The Bill Press Show. We're on Patreon. Did you know that? On Patreon. So to go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash BP show to get videos that nobody else gets. All we ask is five bucks a month and you get access to daily commentary. And every week we put up a special interview just for our Patreon subscribers. Hey, it's a great way to support progressive media and get your hands on some fun, new, exclusive content. Thanks so much for supporting the show by going to patreon.com slash BP show. Giving you everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Emmanuel Macron, he gives Donald Trump kisses one day and flips the bird to him the next day. Ha <laughs> ha, what happened to that bromance? Hey, hello everybody. What do you say? Here we are. It is The Bill Press Show on this Thursday, April 26. How about it? Welcome, welcome to the program, wherever you happen to be in this great land of ours. We uh, are, It's great to see you. We're glad to welcome you to the program, and we're very grateful that you are with us. Select us as your morning antidote to finding out everything that's going on in this country, in Washington, around the world, uh, and also give us your comments on what you think is going on. Lots of big news today. Ronnie Jackson, man, that nomination has really cratered the latest allegation, the most serious of all. The stuff keeps coming out. The only question is drip, drip, drip. How long before he does the right thing and just withdraws his name before the president has to do it for him? Yes, President Macron, in a stirring address to Congress yesterday, Interrupted by several standing ovations, some people compared it to Barack Obama's State of the Union address, uh, certainly uh, expressing a lot of different views than from what was expressed by Donald Trump on a lot of different topics. Uh, Ben Carson, housing secretary, said he wants to triple the rents for poor people in this country because they're just making too much money, I guess. And the president's attorney says he is going to plead the fifth. Oh, man, lots of stuff you're going to want to get your teeth into. So send us your comments on Twitter, at BP Show. We're ready to go. We'll jump right into it with all of you. But first, this is the Full Court Press. Just a couple of other stories making news. What an honor, Bill. Yesterday, Madame Tussauds Wax Museum. Oh, yes. yes. In New York, unveiled some new wax figures. 
Donald Trump was already there because they, he had been there before because he was. Whoa, 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 whoa. Remember the squirrel That's hair. right. That's right. That's right. For eyebrows that's right. and the yak hair. The yak hair for, for the actual Yes. So he was already there because he was a celebrity before he was president. But one person who was not there was Melania Trump. Well, yesterday that changed. They unveiled the Melania Trump wax figure at Madame Tussauds in. Did she have that hat on? New York. She did not have the hat on. That dumb hat. No, I, I have to say, most of the time that I see these wax figure things, they look pretty terrible. The Trump one and the Melania ones look pretty good. Really? I mean, they get yeah. Trump's waddle uh-huh. and, and the whole sort of gross complexion skin thing. But they got Melania pretty good too. But. They had someone very special on there to help commemorate it, none other than Sean Spicer. Not a joke. I, so, I, I know. That is so embarrassing. This where is, else is he going to go? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so from press secretary, you know, Jay Carney uh, went on to a great big job, I think, with Apple or whatever. I forget now. But yeah, went on with the Uber, like big, big yeah. jobs. You know, Josh Ernest is now on MSNBC. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Sean Spicer is unveiling statues, <laughs> not of himself, right. in wax museums. Wax figures. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, huge, huge news yesterday for anybody that follows true crime. The Golden State Killer was arrested. This is a story that's been going on since the 1970s, almost 50 years this has been going on. Yeah. I mean, I was living in California when this was happening. I I, I didn't know about this. If you're not familiar with it, there are several documentaries about it, oh, lots yeah. of podcasts that talk about it. Uh, the man is Joseph James D'Angelo. He's 72 years old. He is a former police officer. He committed at least 12 homicides 45 rapes yeah, and I mean, dozens I'm, of burglaries. And by the way, they point out there could be a lot more. Th- they yeah, just these are ones identified. that they've, they've uh, c- kind of connected to him. Yeah. He's from Auburn, which yeah. is a little little city up just north of Sacramento. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it, people thought this was never going to get solved. And by the way, there's a great new book out by Michelle McNamara that talks all about this. And police aren't saying it, but that had a big hand in like catching this They guy. finally cracked him for DNA. Take the Bill Press Show anywhere you go. Download our free podcast, search for the Bill Press Show on iTunes, and catch the highlights from every show. It is Take Your Kids to Work Day. All right, kids, where are you? (laughs) Get to work. We'll just turn it over to you and uh, let you have a lot of fun with it today. Welcome, everybody, kids or no kids, Uh, if you're by yourself or with the gang this morning. It's great to see you today. Thank you for joining us. It is the Bill Press Show coming to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, and our studio right here on Capitol Hill, just down the street from the United States Capitol Building, where uh, oh, going to get a little uh, a little fireworks today. Scott Pruitt coming in front of a House committee to um, d- defend all the waste of taxpayer dollars uh, that he's been found uh, guilty of. Uh, it should be a, a lively hearing there in the House today. There's always lots going on, it seems, here in Washington, D.C. And we reach out to you from Washington and join you wherever you are in this great land of ours uh, and around the globe. We're joining you on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show, 
Also, looking at you on Free Speech TV, looking good out there in TV land, and, again, finding you on um, the great radio station WCPT, the progressive voice of Chicago and throughout the state of Indiana on Indiana Talks. So there we are uh, with lots and lots to talk about today and a great lineup of guests. Julia, Julia Manchester is going to be joining us from The Hill. Uh, Adam Smith, our good friend from Every Voice, uh, talking about the latest from uh, Mick Mulvaney, the budget director, who said when he was in Congress, if you were not a big lobbyist and hadn't written him a big check, he wouldn't give you the time of day. At least he admits it. And from Vox, Andrew Prokop, who covers the White House for Vox, uh, the latest, particularly on the bromance. Yeah, where do we start? Let's start in my home state of Delaware. Now, you know, you know me as a Californian. I consider myself a California today. Uh, but I got my start in the state of uh, Delaware. Uh, grew up in Delaware, went to high school in Delaware, Salesian High School in Delaware. And yesterday... I got a note from my brother saying, oh, my God, look at this. The Wilmington News Journal in their online edition on Delaware Online uh, did a poll. You ready for this, Pia? Did a poll asking people who who are the best known, who are the most popular, who are the most famous people from Delaware? Okay. okay. All right. All right. Okay. Number one is an actress. I never heard of her. Aubrey Plaza. Oh, sure. Yeah. yeah. No, she's, yeah. Totally. Actually, she's pretty well known. She's yeah, a she's of, a TV actress. Done a lot yeah, of TV stuff. Done a lot of TV actress. Done so, some okay. Too. Good for her. Very funny. Uh, number two, a jazz trumpeter, Clifford Brown. Okay. Sure. Yep. Yeah. Clifford Brown. Um, one of the managers of the Phillies, Dallas Green, Philadelphia. Oh, no, Phillies. Dallas Green. Yeah, yeah, Dallas Green. Okay. Uh, and then here in Washington, it's still, it's still a little bit. It's a yeah. little bit of a stretch, but okay. But, okay. Um, but uh, these are people from Delaware voting, uh-huh. you know. So, um, why, for, for the Mystics here in Washington, right? The women's basketball oh, team. Oh yeah. Uh, Ella. Oh, Della Elena Deladon. Yeah, Ella yeah, Della yeah. Don from Delaware. One of the best players yeah. in the WNBA. Number four, and number five. Your humble servant. Bill You're in the Press. top five? Number five. That's amazing. Number five. <laughs> Hang most, on. Number five most famous person fr- from Delaware. Yeah. Hang there on. it is. Hang Delaware on. Online. Check it out. Go to Delaware Online. Check for, it out. First of all, now, congratulations. First well, of all, congratulations. Yes. Now. But. Yes. I know what you're thinking. Isn't Joe Biden from Delaware? Number six. You beat Joe Biden? I beat, you beat Joe, Joe Biden. Biden. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yes, I beat Joe Biden. You know, look. So listen, I think that means, well, one of two things. Either they're going to have to rename the train station in Wilmington <laughs> from yeah. the Joe Biden Amtrak station to the Bill Press Amtrak They have to now. I mean. They yeah. have to. Why? Yeah. yeah. I mean, come on. Right. <laughs> Or uh, I go back to Delaware and run for president. You have to. I mean. You have to run for him. You have to. But there's only one or, way to settle this now. Or at least governor or senator or something. Bill, but, that's you know, amazing. To cash in on that. Yeah. Uh, uh, by the way, I think a lot of it has to do with publicity about the new book, right? Yeah, hell yeah. From the left. You write about Delaware. A Life a in the Crossfire. I write about Delaware a lot in there, right? So um, uh, that's getting around. But anyhow, I had, I had no idea this was uh, – this was uh, this was happening. So there that's you go. stunning. I can't believe that. So you're gonna have to. Uh, you I, guys are gonna have to like fight it out somehow. 
right? I mean, you've already no, won. It's done. You've already it's won. It's done. Sorry, Joe. Sorry. <laughs> Joe, you just yeah, <laughs> crushed him. Uh, so, but but I'm wondering now what comes with this, right? You got to get something. Well, I would think they, they, they. It seems to me that they, if it, like when they rename the train station, right, 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 they should have a big ceremony or something. Or maybe the governor can invite us all to Dover to the state capitol. That'd be a hell of a dinner party, right? You know, but you're gonna tell Joe Biden, sorry, buddy, it's only top five. <laughs> top five, all right? So, sorry, buddy. <laughs> right? Uh, or you know, maybe they have like like the gold medal. You know, you stand up on the thing and they play the state song or something, and you totally, get the, you get the medal, which I'm sure know. you can still sing by heart. Oh, <laughs> no, we're not gonna start. <laughs> Oh, our Delaware. There you go. Our beloved Delaware. For the sun is shining over our beloved Delaware. I used to sing that when I was in grade school. Yeah. Uh, so there it is, folks. There it is. Um, <clears throat> bringing you uh, the number five, number five, the fifth most popular person from the state of Delaware. How about um, that? Congratulations. Yeah. That's very cool. I'm going to go state by state now, right? Yeah, we have to. I think we do, yeah. So uh, on that note, we start out. Thank you. Um, wow, man. Ronnie Jackson <clears throat> cratered. That nomination has cratered. It's only a matter of time. I mean, somebody, I saw somebody with a cruel headline yesterday that Dr. Jackson is on life support. Mm. Um, not wrong. But not wrong, right. Uh, so we have, as we discussed yesterday, serious, serious allegations about his conduct. He has been there under three presidents. Um, and really not a lot of controversy about that. But now when they're when he's up for the head of the second largest government agency that exists, second only to the Pentagon, the Veterans Affairs, uh, people are taking a closer look at Ronnie Jackson. And when uh, President Trump just impulsively said, oh, you did such a good job telling people I'm going to live until I'm 200 years old, I'm going to make you the VA secretary. Why not? I mean, you're a doctor, so the v- there are VA hospitals. This is Donald Trump's thinking. And you were nice to me, so boom, I'm going to give you this big, fat job. And that's when people uh, who have been working with him over all these years started coming forward. There are 23 people so far who have gone to the Senate and talked to Senate investigators and have said there's a different Ronnie Jackson that we know then you know this is a Ronnie Jackson who treats people um, not well, treats people um, with disrespect, uh, and a very and has created a very hostile working environment in the White House Physician's Office. Number one, uh, number two, uh, this is a doctor who uh, was very very loose in writing prescriptions, as we talked yesterday. Was known for on presidential flights walking down the aisle of the staff planes, or maybe even Air Force One, and handing out drugs, saying, do you want uppers or downers, um, Percocet, Ambien, whatever. He had them all there in his little basket, would just hand them out um, without prescriptions. And was also lost track of a lot of prescription drugs. Uh, He was writing himself prescriptions and then couldn't account for a lot of the drugs that went missing. And God knows what he did with those or who he was giving those to. Uh, that was the second charge. And the third charge is excessive drinking. We mentioned yesterday uh, the Secret Service had to accost him once because he was in the middle of the night banging drunk and banging on the door of some female uh, member of the of the staff. 
uh, the Obama team at one point, President Obama, on some travel assignment, um, needed to see the wanted to see the doctor, discuss something with him. They went to the doctor's room. He was drunk, passed out, cold, drunk. Uh, and the latest is that uh, after leaving a, a, a goodbye party for retirement party for a Secret Service agent, he, driving a government car, uh, had been drinking excessively and wrecked and wrecked the government car. Not a great record for Dr. Ronnie Jackson. Uh, they have postponed his hearing uh, that was set for this week. Uh, they have not rescheduled that hearing. I don't think they will. I think it's only a matter of time before he does the right thing and just says, uh, thank you, Mr. President, but uh, I'm going to withdraw my nomination. He cannot, cannot recover from this. You and, know, and should not. You know, the thing that uh, Ray and I were just talking, the thing that's so weird about this is, first of all, could you name any other White House physician ever, right? Like, it's, it's not a high-profile job. No. But we've known who Ronnie Jackson is for a little while, like going back to, uh, well, when when you had to escort that woman to the office after she passed out in the press briefing. I only briefing. know him because I, yeah, I and carried somebody into his office. Exactly. And he came out and he gave that presser about Donald Trump being so healthy and that he might live to be 200. But the fact that just now we're hearing some of these stories, and as you just mentioned, 23 people came forward to talk about his behavior? Yeah, right. Like- we haven't heard about it before then? He should. I know. I know. It just shows how they can keep a lid on stuff at yeah. the White House if they want to, right? Sure. And, uh, um, but th- this is this is important, and it, it, it illustrates one more time, and there are dozens of examples, where the Trump White House has not done the proper vetting. Chris Christie himself, who was head of the transition at one time, um, uh, said, you know, if they'd only done the right vetting, they would have solved themselves a lot of problems. Not only with Ronnie Jackson, but with another person who comes under scrutiny today. We've talked so much about him. Don't have to go into all the details again, and that is Scott Pruitt. He is up in front of the House um, Oversight Committee, I believe it is today, or the Budget Committee. I guess it's the Budget Committee, talking about the regular budget of EPA. Uh, and it has become a real issue because while the president has asked to cut EPA's budget by 30 percent, and Scott Pruitt has been systematically reversing every environmental regulation adopted under President Obama uh, for to protect clean air, clean water, or public lands, or whatever, uh, that Scott Pruitt has been living high on the hog, wasting taxpayer dollars, wasting taxpayer dollars on stuff like this $43,000 soundproof telephone booth in his office, like hiring 19 uh, security agents and a fleet of 19 vehicles to protect him, the first EPA administrator ever to have that kind of security, as if he's threatened, more security than a member of the Supreme Court has or most other cabinet members have, Scott Pruitt, getting all of this for himself, and, of course, the famous $50 a night uh, room in a condo here on Capitol Hill, um, which he was renting from the wife of a lobbyist, a lobbyist who was doing business with Scott Pruitt, Pruitt for the oil companies that he represents or liquid gas companies he represents while Scott Pruitt, while he was renting a room from, from uh, in his wife's condo. It's just, it, it, it reeks uh, with conflict of interest. Scott Pruitt testifying today. Uh, and there's more and more Republican voices heard 
um, critical of Scott Pruitt. Here is a Republican Senator John Kennedy. It sounds not great here. He's on the phone, but Republican Senator John Kennedy from Louisiana. This money didn't fall from heaven. We thank heaven for it, but it came out of people's pockets. It's what the swamp is all about. And if you don't respect taxpayer money, you're not qualified to serve, in my opinion. If you don't respect taxpayer money, you're not qualified to serve. Scott Pruitt, of course, also racking up hundreds of thousands of dollars in taxpayers' money for flying on charter planes, private planes, charter helicopters, and flying first class when he had to fly commercial. Uh, Senator Kennedy continues, you know, uh, (laughs) he just wants to be another Washington big shot. You can't go around acting like a big shot. You shouldn't fly first class if you don't have to. You shouldn't turn on your siren on your car to watch people pull over. <laughs> I don't know why he needed a $50,000 phone booth or why he needs 20 you know, security personnel. Yeah, that's another thing. The EPA administrator, right, was uh, was insisting that his security detail use the siren's you know, it, go, moving moving through Washington, which again is ridiculous. I mean, I've I've had a chance to, with several cabinet members whom I know, ride in their SUV with them from one event to another. Or, you know, Kathleen Sebelius, who used to live on Capitol Hill, would give me a gave me a ride home a couple of times with her security detail. You know, it was a black SUV, with one guy driving, another guy up front, the security guard, no lights. No sirens, no 19 vehicles. I mean, just one car and stopping for every traffic light. I mean, that's the way it's done here. Scott Pruitt had to be like the president and like the vice president with that, with this big entourage. Uh, I want to go back to Ronnie Jackson for just a second because, you know, you could count on Sarah Huckabee Sanders to the dying breath, right, to defend anything that Donald Trump does. And she, the audacity yesterday of her defense of Ronnie Jackson, in light still of everything we know, and I pointed out uh, earlier. So here she is saying, this guy is the most highly highly qualified person we could find. He's a highly qualified, highly skilled individual, and if he didn't think he was capable of doing the job, he wouldn't have uh, announced his nomination in the first place. No, not just that. He has been thoroughly vetted. Dr. Jackson has had at least four independent background investigations Mm -hmm. conducted during his time at the White House, including an FBI investigation conducted as part of the standard nomination vetting process. During each of those investigations, Dr. Jackson received unanimous praise from dozens of witnesses, and the investigations revealed no areas of concern. Well, maybe they didn't. (laughs) But the new allegations, and she goes on to say, nobody, nobody has been vetted more than Dr. Jackson. Dr. Jackson's record uh, as a White House physician has been impeccable. In fact, because Dr. Jackson has worked with an arm's reach of three presidents, he has received more vetting than most nominees. Again, like, no. he can't just be he was well vetted. No. It has to be he was the most vetted person ever. Donald right. Trump can't just right. be not a racist. He has to be the yep. least racist person you've ever met. He can't just be successful. He has to be the most successful person you've ever met. And just, it can't just be a, a nice crowd. It's got to be the, the biggest, biggest crowd cr- in human history period but if what she's saying is true if dr jackson and now we know all these problems is the most vetted person ever 
to be nominated by Donald Trump. What does that say about the White House vetting process? <laughs> so either what she's saying is BS or it's pretty scary. Dude, as you said, 23 people have come forward to talk about this. Mm-hmm. You couldn't find yeah. any of them during the vetting process. Mm-hmm. Right. How often does that happen? That you have that many people come forward to to uh, call into question some of these characters. And these are people who worked with him, right, and who know know him and came up with their own personal experience. Uh, again, in trouble. Uh, what a difference a day makes here on Capitol Hill. So I, I told you yesterday about being at the White House for the big news conference with uh, President Macron of France and President Trump uh, and how awkward it was to see all this Donald Trump's attempts to uh, hold hold Macron. I mean, this 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 physical uh, attraction, if you will, or phys- express physical expression of his affection and admiration for uh, President Macron. Donald Trump holding his hand, giving him kisses, hugging him. Uh, you know, all, all the brushing dandruff off his off his we lapel. want to make him perfect he is perfect yeah right it goes it was so awkward uh and everybody's wondering what is it that what is it with this physical attraction between these two uh and then yesterday the day and 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 macron's message there basically was we're friends we can work together we can work this out Whatever Donald does, we can still work it out. Boom, boom, boom. Thank you, Emmanuel, my friend. And then Macron yesterday addressed a joint session of Congress where he said almost the exact opposite. On issue after issue after issue, he showed where he disagreed with Donald Trump, and he got multiple standing ovations from members of Congress. Some people compared it to Barack Obama's last State of the Union address. But he said, among other things— that this idea that any country can go it alone, uh, America first, is crazy, that we all have to work together. He said we have to stay in the Iran nuclear deal and work toward a better one, but don't leave the Iran nuclear deal. He, he also said we need fair trade and we have to work out any disagreements over trade through the World Trade Organization and not just slap tariffs on other countries. He just went down the list, and then he said about climate change, absolutely. Here he is in English, in English, speaking in English, uh, the president of France, uh, the, the, about climate change. This is our obligations as stewards of this planet. I believe in building a better future for our children, which requires offering them a planet that is still habitable in 25 years. Yeah. A planet that's still habitable in 25 years. Uh, well said, President Macron. And he says, listen to this, he has no doubt that eventually, maybe not tomorrow, the United States will come back into the Paris Accords. I'm sure one day the United States will come back and join the Paris Agreement. And I'm sure... That's amazing. Really amazing. Yeah. But on point by point by point, refuted uh, almost every position that Donald Trump has taken. Uh, You just wonder what Donald Trump thought. He didn't tweet anything about it. Did he know about it? Did he understand what was going on? Does he understand what, what Macron really said? 
Who knows? I was actually but, about to ask you about that. Do you think that there's any chance that Donald Trump watched that yesterday? No. No. Zero, right? No. Yeah. Right. And I think if anybody told him, hey, did you hear what Carl said today? Donald Trump would probably say, oh, no, no, we're best buds. He's my buddy. We're best <laughs> he buds. He would never. Mm-hmm. No, he gave me a kiss. <laughs> exactly. French kiss. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Uh, on the uh, housing front, Ben Carson, man, showing his true colors yesterday. Remember, this is uh, the Ben Carson when uh, the Donald Trump originally and Mick Mulvaney said that they were going to cut um, HUD budget by 15 percent. Uh, ben Carson threatened to resign. He said he was going to resign over that. If they cut my budget like that, I'm going to resign. If they uh, make me charge more, pro- more for the poor or whatever, I'm going to resign. <laughs> that didn't last very long. Yesterday, Ben Carson came out with a whole new program to revamp the public housing program, uh, which uh, HUD is responsible for. Uh, and Ben Carson's proposal would, get this, triple, triple the rents for the poor in public housing uh, from $50 a month up to, uh, to for those people who get Section 8 vouchers, I'm sorry, to help pay for their public housing it would go from $50 a month to $150 a month. 712,000 families uh, over the next four years would, uh, over the next few years, would be paying more for their rent in public housing. This is, again, subsidized public housing. Uh, they don't pay all, but they pay their share of the public housing. Um, was 50 a month. Now, under this plan, 150 a month. 712,000 families, um, and the this would affect the poor, but Ben Carson's plan would exempt the elderly, those over 65, and the disabled for six years. And after that, the disabled and the elderly also will get their rent tripled. Finally, finally, someone's going to stick it to poor people, elderly yeah. and disabled. Yeah, right. And it's about time those guys uh, stop catching all these breaks. Step up and pay more, says Ben Carson, uh, which maybe should not uh, be a surprise. Coming from a man who said that poverty is a state of mind, right? This It's just a state of mind. Good grief. Yeah, right. Uh, one final thing before we take our break here and move on. Um, Reporters Without Borders came out with their annual report yesterday on freedom of the press. They ranked 180 countries around the globe on which countries treat the uh, respect freedom, really respect freedom of the press uh, and, and and an unfettered and independent media. Um, how do you think the United States ranked? Were we number one? Uh, no. No. Uh, number one, by the way, I think once again, I think they've been number one before. Norway. I was going to say it's got to be some Scandinavian, Scandinavian country. Yeah, Norway. Of Norway. Of course. Uh, the worst, the worst out of 180. Number 180? Iraq. That'd be a pretty good guess. North Korea. Oh yeah, okay, duh. North Korea. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, but 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 you have to say North Korea is led by a very honorable man. Oh sure, oh, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Kim Jong, Kim Jong Un. That's right. Right. Please the United right. States comes number forty-five. Damn, dude. Not good. 
You would think, right? That I'd we like would to be, think we were at least like in the to top think, ten. Yeah, exactly. You would think even number one. I mean, we Americans think freedom of the press, First Amendment, number one, number two, maybe. You're right. Top ten, anyhow, right? Forty-five. 45. There you go. And Oof. by the way, uh, it's just sunk under Donald Trump. Yeah. Well, that's depressing. There it is. Uh, it does have an impact. All his uh, all his anti anti media tweets and statements, and basically the war on the media. Julia Manchester joins us next from the Hill, uh, and we'll uh, talk about a lot of the issues we've um, we've mentioned, including um, what's coming up with Scott Pruitt today in this big hearing on the Hill. It's the Bill Press Show, and this Thursday, April twenty sixth. Thanks for being with us. Quick break, and we'll be right back. Live video, Bill's commentary, the best clips from the show, all in one place. YouTube.com slash The Bill Press Show. You got it. Thursday, April 26th. Uh, welcome back, everybody. The Bill Press Show, live from our nation's capital, Washington, D.C. With all the news of the day uh, on many, many different fronts, and like every day under the uh, Trump administration, it is a busy breaking news day. We're coming to you live from our nation's capital, our studio in Capitol Hill, where we're brought to you today by the United Steelworkers and their international president, Leo Girard. The United Steelworkers, North America's largest industrial union, representing over 1.2 million active and retired members doing great work, check out their website at usw.org. And we welcome to the program on a whole variety of breaking news issues, Julia Manchester, who covers breaking news wherever it is, whatever (laughs) it is, for The Hill, the great newspaper, The Hill. Hi, Julia. Hi, thanks for having me. Good to see you. Uh, And we got started just a little while ago with uh, stirring up some comments from our uh, viewers and listeners around the country. Yes, indeed. A couple of comments. Uh, We're on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. Joey says, Bill, congratulations uh, on the most famous Delawareans. You were number number five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you were number five. Uh, He says, Bill Press, congratulations. You're number one in our book, baby. Joe who from Delaware is number six? Uh, Sorry, Joe Biden. He didn't quite make the top five like you did. Uh, Also, uh, comments from our friend. Joe would be pissed to find out that he's number six. You'll have to tell him. (laughs) Let him know. Uh, Tom says, Ben Carson, the floggings will continue until the morale improves, apparently. And Phil says, on the money from HUD, he says, obviously, that money will uh, go directly to Sean Hannity. Oh. Yes, because remember he's got that whole scandal going on, and also don't I forget if he raised the rates for Tom uh, for Sean Hannity. Probably not. Don't forget we are also on YouTube, YouTube.com/slash The Bill Press Show. A uh, couple of comments there. Susan Flagg says Macron speaks better English than Donald Trump. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He and, certainly makes more sense in English than Donald Trump. And uh, Robert says about Ronnie Jackson, this guy is such a joke. Who's next, Doctor Phil? Dr. Phil should be the head of the VA, apparently. Anyway, if you have any comments, send, us, send them to us at BP Show on Twitter or find us in the chat room, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. You, you laugh about Dr. Phil. That's the kind of appointment that Donald Trump could make, right? 100%. He, he sees him on television. It's possible. Looks good. <laughs> Makes sense to me. Judge Judy on the Supreme Court. <laughs> oh, no. Janine Pirro. Yeah. Mm. Exactly. Exactly. That would be, that would be the one. Uh, oh, Julia, so 
what a what a job right for the hill like breaking news whatever it is wherever it is you're on it right 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 it never ends you know it's you got when you're on you're on yeah <laughs> all right all right so then maybe you can explain uh and peter you can help out what the hell is this with kanye west i mean if there's one person you would think it would not be a trumper <laughs> but he wears a maga hat right right, right. so i mean what is what is this? Yeah, he's the unexpected, I guess you could say, Trump whisperer almost. So we first saw Kanye and Trump together in the political capacity during the transition. Yeah. He suddenly at Trump appeared Tower. at Trump Tower. Um, and it was during a time, actually, when Kanye was do- going through, I guess, a co- like a bit of an emotionally hard time. And I think a lot of commentators had have said a lot of his, I guess, um, interactions with Trump actually come while he's having a hard time in a personal capacity. (laughs) I think during the Trump Tower appearance, it was shortly after his wife, Kim Kardashian, was robbed in Paris. He has drug drug prescription problems of his own. So I think that ties into it a little bit. But yeah, Kanye West and Donald Trump are friendly. And it was so funny yesterday because he tweets this calling him in this Charlie Sheen-esque tweet calling him dra- Dragon something about, Dragon like, t- Dragon Energy, dragon right, energy was, and his it? brother. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. Right. So, and then right after, he's like, my wife just called me and said, I need to clarify, I don't agree with everything Trump says, but I just like how he's honest and open. And I think actually Kim Kardashian West after that said, well, Kanye has an opinion. Isn't that what America is all about? Is all about? Because it's interesting because I think some of the Kardashians and the Jenner clan are actually pretty liberal. I think Kendall Jenner was a Hillary supporter. So I think that's a very politically diverse family. It's very random. <laughs> it's so bizarre. So right? bizarre. Yeah. And then Donald Trump retweets Kanye and he's yep, my buddy. Right. He loves there. it. He loves it. I'm not so. saying that Kanye is doing coke, but I've hung out with a lot of people on coke in my life who, who refer to them as like dragon energy. Like I've got oh. dragon energy, man. <laughs> Like that—that's <laughs> the type of people he. That's the type of people he is right now. Oh, okay. Mm. Right. Do you think Donald Trump knows that? I don't know. But uh, Donald Trump retweeted a Kanye tweet. I could, yeah. I could not believe yesterday that Donald Trump retweeted a Kanye West tweet with just a MAGA because he was wearing the MAGA hat. Make mm-hmm. America great again. I think he thrives off of that celebrity energy. He loves oh, those totally. celebrity totally. shout outs. So totally. yeah. that's that, that's a big high for him. Right. <laughs> Uh, the Congress gearing up today to have a chance to um, uh, to pummel Scott Pruitt right. and Scott Pruitt having a chance to explain himself. Right. And right. he certainly has some explaining to do. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. The New York Times obtained a document that was had a bunch of his prep notes on it. And basically the gist of it is blame everybody blame else. everyone else. So and he has a slew of talking points like. My staff told me to do it. Don't worry. I fly coach now. Um, So that's what I think that's the direction we can expect him to go in. And this also comes on the heels of another New York Times report yesterday saying that his security officer, um, Pascal Parada, previously during the 2016 campaign, worked for... um, the uh, American media and the National Enquirer's parent company. So, and the problem with that is he was also employed by the government at the same time. So Pruitt's people say in the, you know, the Trump administration say he was cleared for this. This is okay. But there are a slew of Democrats um, in Congress who say, no, this isn't warranted. Um, This needs to be investigated. So this really keeps piling on for Scott Pruitt. And I think the problem is, 
it's going to get in the way of Republican defense saying, well, Scott Pruitt has done everything the Trump administration promised, and he has done it. You know, he's rolled back all these Obama-era regulations, and that's going to be a big loss for them if, you know, Scott Pruitt is gone suddenly. But I think a lot of Republicans, like the third ranking in the Senate, John Thune, has said, you know, this is troubling. So it'll be interesting to see where it goes from now. Yeah, and we played a couple of clips earlier from uh, Senator John Kennedy from from Louisiana. Right, saying, right. Saying, you know, you can't be high, living high on the hog, living like a big shot on taxpayer dollars. But uh, the question I hear people keep asking is, why does he still have a job? I mean, Tom Price was fired for a lot yeah. less. David Shulkin at Bet VA was fired for a lot less. I mean, Trump does not like this negative publicity surrounding his appointees. But I think you touched on it. The reason Scott Pruitt is still there is because he's done such, in Donald Trump's eyes, a great job of wrecking the environment. Yeah, I think the key word is loyal. Um, there was even talk about Donald Trump thinking about replacing Jeff Sessions with Scott Pruitt. And I think Donald Trump looks at Scott Pruitt and says, this man's loyal to me. He's making sure that my people and I keep my campaign promises. And I think that's a plus in his eyes. And he doesn't want he's concerned and he doesn't want to get rid of that. I think his base likes what Scott Pruitt is doing, especially in middle America and coal country, because they view these Obama era regulations, this new clean energy as a threat. Right. Um, and, you know, maybe um, other people are hoping that they can find a $50 a night room on Capitol Hill. I don't know. <laughs> it, I, as a D.C. resident, that would be very nice. <laughs> yeah, right. right. As a Capitol Hill resident, I can tell you, that is not the market rate. No. <laughs> not the market no, rate. No. You've got an extra room, Bill. Maybe you should start yeah. the Airbnb in that extra room for, you know, forty nine ninety five just to undercut the competition. Right. Uh, Ronnie Jackson? Ronnie Jackson, yeah, I am. The talk talk is, about somebody in trouble. He's very, at least Scott Pruitt is having a hearing. Yeah, I but think Ronnie can't even get a hearing. <laughs> I think it's safe to say he's on life support at this point. Um, <laughs> you know, I think the revelations last night about the banging on the female employee's door, wrecking the government car—that was really the nail in the coffin. Um, and you know. I think a lot of Republicans, not necessarily on the Hill, yep. but Republican supporters of Trump have said, oh, this is partisan. This is just, you know, bringing up this is just in, you know, the the game of Trump's appointees. But I want to bring up the point of John Tester. John Tester is up for reelection in a deeply, deeply red state. Right. I don't think he would bring up these allegations if he didn't have a reason to believe there was any truth behind them. So I think this is something that's no, cause it's, right. It, it is risky. It should not be, but it is risky politically it's, for John Tester. Yes, it's very risky. Um, but, I mean, if this guy is, as they say, just handing out prescription drugs without a prescription freely, that's that's a problem. That's, yeah. the, that's, that's actually the biggest problem for me, right? Because the wrecking the car and the <laughs> banging on the door, it's yeah. kind of salacious and fascinating that he could get away with it and also sort of dangerous. But... When we're talking all about the drug crisis that we have here in America these days for people abusing prescription drugs, and you have a guy who is handing them out. Like Candy. That, that, candy that was his nickname. Yeah. They called him the Candy Man. Yeah. I mean, like, you've got a doctor handing out pills, and they call him the Candy Man. Right. Right. But, you know, also on the drinking, you know, if he's traveling with the president mm -hmm. and he's there 
so that anytime the president, anything happens, even if right. he gets a cough, the doctor's right there. Right, right. If the doctor's drink, if the doctor's drunk, that's a real problem. He right. says that he never had a drink on the job. Mm-hmm. That, that's going to be hard to prove either way, maybe. But if he says also, I never wrecked a car, if he wrecked a car, even a government car, there has to be a police report somewhere right. on, on that car. Right? Yeah. It's yeah, it's possible that that will be unearthed in the coming days. I would not be surprised. But yeah, the point the fact that he's supposed to be taking care of the most powerful man in the world is a huge concern to so many people. And it's, you know, you would think it would be a concern to the president of the United States. You would think that President Trump would want to be or any president for that matter would want to be in safe hands, you know that their health is OK. I mean, he is 70 years old. Um, so, you know, clearly he's going to be paying more attention to his health more so. So, yeah, I it's it's hard for me to see how he stays in this. I think the White House has been yesterday was vehemently defending him. But I think last night's revelation seemed to be the nail in the coffin. I could be wrong. You never know these days. Right. Um, You've also been writing about Jeff Cohen. Uh, I mean, it's Michael Cohen. Yeah, right. 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 Um, And um, interesting that Jeff Sessions, who recused himself from the Mueller investigation, mm-hmm. has he recused himself from the Michael Cohen investigation? Yeah, in a certain compa- capacity. So he said he would recuse himself, um, except for not he he hasn't. Excuse me, he hasn't recu- recused himself from that. I'm sorry, misspoke yeah. there. But um, he's you know this opens the door for President Trump being able to question him about certain aspects of the investigation. Jeff Sessions would have to brief him or tell him about that. And that, that'll be um, interesting to see how that goes. Um, yeah, I think Jeff Sessions is in has been in hot water with the president for a while. Michael Cohen is someone who's tied personally to um, the president. So we'll have to see how this plays out. Right. Also, you know, there are links between the Mueller investigation and the Cohen investigation. I mean, right. because that's where sort of yes. Mueller found out about this, yes. turned it over to Rosenstein, who turned it over to U.S. attorney, who went to a federal judge yes. to get the warrant to seize Michael Cohen's documents. Yes. But to the extent that as part of the investigation— you know, they get any closer. You could see where Sessions could be caught in the middle. Very much so. Very much so. And I mean, now we're seeing Michael Cohen last night said he would plead the fifth. I don't remember the personal attorney of any sitting president pleading the fifth in a case like this before. So this seems it's unprecedented. Well, we know what we should think about people who plead the fifth. We know that because during the campaign, uh, Donald Trump, um, told us what we should think about people pleading the fifth, especially in this case, it was Hillary Clinton and some of the, or some of the people around Hillary Clinton. Here in the Wayback Machine, Donald Trump during the campaign. So there are five people taking the Fifth Amendment, like you see on the mob, right? You see the mob takes the fifth. If you're innocent, why are you taking the Fifth Amendment? There it is. Yeah. yeah. If you're innocent... It's like the mob. That's what he's comparing Michael Cohen to today, like the mob. And I think Michael Cohen's in a very sticky spot. I mean, 
He's ex- so extraordinarily loyal to the president. I mean, he personally paid Stormy Daniels to keep quiet about this during well, the camp. You know, he arranged the he payment. arranged the payment. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, but you know, he's clearly very loyal to the president. But at the same time, we've heard this repeated. He's a family. You know, he could, if you know, charged or found guilty or whatever. He, th- this is very serious. He could go to jail um, if this played yeah. out negatively for him. So this is, uh, yeah, it's he's in a sticky situation. Now, uh, in your breaking news beat today, you know you're going to be asked or you're going to have to, or one of the stories you're going to have to cover today. Um, James Comey has yet another yes, TV Yes, yes, on Fox News. Right. Yes. Last night was the town hall on CNN right. with Anderson Cooper. Um, I don't think anything really new came out of that, did it? No, no. I mean, uh, people pressed him on his, you know, his relationship with the president. um, And he continued to call the, you know, essentially call the president a liar. Um, The White Uh, House pushed back. Yeah, yes, yeah. Um, The White House continued to push back on it. But he's going to be speaking to a very different audience um, tonight um, with Brett Baer, a very respected reporter in D.C. Brett Baer's a great reporter, great great anchor. But Um, a very different audience. Yeah, he he did play golf with the the president uh, (laughs) last week, so maybe Donald Trump gave him a couple of ideas of things you should ask James Comey. Um, it won't be hostile. It'll be. It'll. Be, I think he'll be fair. Absolutely. But he'll be tough. He'll be tough. Absolutely. But I guess my question is: Does where has James Comey not been yet? Everywhere but Fox, right? Right. Right. Does he have anything more to say? Oh gosh, I mean, I mean it, it seems like he's said everything yeah. there is to say. I mean, he laid it all out in his book. I mean. He he laid it all out in the congressional testimony. Right, right. And in all the media appearances so far. Yeah, I I think it just depends on how Bear presses him on this. I mean, I think in a way... He's very much hated by both both political sides at this point. So I think he's been pressed and uh, by the left, but definitely during because of his actions with the Clinton campaign. But I think tonight he'll get it from the right. And I also think that James Comey is maybe the most careful man on the planet right now. Oh, you know, yeah. like yeah. he's right. just very measured. He knows yeah. what he can and can't say, and he's right. not going to step outside of those boundaries. Yes, mm. yes. No. He clearly has his talking points ready and. He's not an off-the-cuff figure by any means. <laughs> no. No, he, he's he's very—you're right. Very, very careful. Right. And he will not go out be, But no matter how many, much people push him, mm-hmm. he will not go outside of those bounds. Right. Yeah. Um, you've written about medical marijuana. You, you know, it's, it's first of all, it's hard for me to believe that in the 21st century we're still—that medical marijuana isn't, like, universal. Yeah, yeah. I mean, recreational— right. Legalization of recreational marijuana, right. I understand. I totally support it. Yeah. It's growing more and more states. But there's some some places, and, and, and the Congress really hasn't yet recognized medical marijuana. Yeah, yeah. But an interesting breakthrough happened yesterday. Bob Goodlaw, who's a Republican from Virginia. Yeah, um, pretty conservative. Yeah, pretty conservative. There is support behind Matt Gates's bill, who's also a conservative in Florida, you know, basically trying to promote medical research into marijuana. And I think this could possibly be another rift between Democrats and Republicans in the Congress and the Trump administration, because Jeff Sessions has vehemently throughout his entire career been opposed to medical to not to marijuana use. And he's very skeptical about the use of medical marijuana. So I think going forward, you could possibly see a rift between Congress and the administration in this. 
that so that Congress may come up and support more research or whatever. Right, or right. It seems like that's the direction it's going in. That's uh, huh. That's interesting, uh, Peter. Do you think anybody? Um, I wonder what Ronnie Jackson was doing about medical marijuana. <laughs> he was handing it out like candy. Uh, that's what I'm. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> maybe the candy was laced. Right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> that's a pretty good pot candies. Yeah, maybe he's got some of those. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, maybe Ronnie Jackson was doing dabs with our buddy uh, Phone Homie. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. All right. Hmm. Nobody's written about that yet. Not yet. There you go. There's your tip. There's for your scoop. Lead. We saw that the uh, president of France yesterday in Congress. Yeah. Um, had a little different message than he seemed to have when he was sitting down with Donald Trump. Oh, yeah, right? no bromance anymore. Um, very much spoke out against the key tenets of Trumpism, um, spoke out against, you know, spoke in favor of globalism, against nationalism, very much praised the Paris Climate Accord. And it was so, you know, from an aesthetic point of view, it was interesting. So he's making all these comments and he's sitting in front of Paul Ryan and, <laughs> and Mike, Mike Pence. Pence. I and, know. And Mike Pence and Paul Ryan were clapping and standing up. And I mean, obviously, you know, a foreign di- leaders there, they're not going to be rude. But I heard this point made yesterday, you know, back in what the early 2000 with the whole French fry, freedom fry oh, thing. Yeah, yeah. Mike Pence and Paul Ryan were involved in that. Um, so that that I don't know, that's been running through my mind that um, certain point of view. But, yeah, he no more. Bro- it didn't in Congress. There was no more bromance there. Yeah. We've come a long way from freedom fries. Right, right. But it was interesting because later on he did say, I do believe the U.S. will leave the Iran nuclear agreement. He said, I tried my best to convince him. Um, he said, we'll have to see, but this is what I think is going to happen. And he almost kind of, you know, gave praised him and said he is ca- keeping his campaign promise. Your president isn't unpredictable. He is predictable because he's keeping all of his promises. So that was interesting and could provide a hint. Meanwhile, um, we heard from another foreign leader yesterday, Mm -hmm. uh, the president of Iran. Yes. (laughs) Not happy with Donald Trump's comments. Not happy. Not happy. And um, yeah, Iran has basically said if the U.S. leaves this agreement, we're going to leave it too. Um, So I think the Europeans are trying to do this balancing act. And I think even, you know, uh, Macron and even Merkel were saying, well, maybe we'll try to, you know, make concessions to this for the U.S., but Iran is adamantly against that. So it'll be interesting to see where that goes. Right. Uh, Merkel, who comes to the White House tomorrow. Yes, by yes. The way. It seems yeah. like Macron was really there to butter um, President right. Trump up, to warm him up, because I don't think President Trump has the most warm relationship with Merkel. It's quite uh, frosty. Uh, uh, yeah, to say the <laughs> least. Yes, right? yes. So yeah, she's lucky if she gets a handshake. Yes, yes. So and, I think and that Macron was... was fighting off the kisses. Yes, yes. So I do think that was actually strategic on the Europeans' part to send him in there first and then. Her in there, second. Yeah. So. Uh, and but I was I was there at the White House when the two of them gave their news conference. I mean, yeah. Macron did sort of anticipate that Trump's going to do what he said he's going to do and not approve this on, or not approve, give his approval on May twelve, and therefore some new sanctions will or sanctions will go back onto Iran. Some of them, not, yes. not the full yes. bore of them. They don't hit until July. Yes. But so Macron was kept talking about 
assuming he does that, we have to start working toward a new accord, a new. But right. will the other countries go along? Like Russia is not ready to renegotiate this whole yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right? I don't think they're going to go along willingly necessarily. I mean, think about how long it took to put this thing craft together. it together. I mean, months and months of hard negotiating. So it, it's hard to see how a Russia who already has such a frosty relationship with Western Europe and the U.S. wants to go through this again. And I think even countries in Western Europe are a little skeptical about going through all, through all of this again. Told you before, it is The Hill, thehill.com, best source of what's happening in Washington, both at the Congress and the White House and all other issues. Uh, plus, they run my column on a Tuesday, so you know it's got to be a great newspaper. Uh, <laughs> Julia Manchester uh, is their breaking news reporter. Thanks, Julia, so Thank much for you. coming in. It's great Appreciate to see you. It. Um, when we come back, Adam Smith joining us from uh, Every Voice about all the grifters this in the Trump administration. The Bill Press Show. Hey, friends, don't be a stranger. Keep up to date with all of the Bill Press Show happenings around the clock on social media. Here's how you can follow us on. Twitter at BP Show or on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash Bill Press Show and on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. And remember, if you haven't already done so, make sure to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And while you're there, please rate and review the show. That means a lot to us. And thanks so much for your support. Everything you need to fight the Trump administration. This is The Bill Press Show, live at youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. Breaking news, Ronnie Jackson has, with Dr. Ronnie Jackson, has withdrawn his name from consideration for Veterans Affairs Secretary. It was only a matter of time, and um, the deed is done. Uh, he made the right decision. Donald Trump made the wrong decision in rushing in to nominate him. Hello, everybody. What do you say? With a bit of breaking news, we start hour number two here of the Bill Press Show on this Thursday, April 26th. So good to see you today. Thanks for being on board as we reach out to you coast to coast from our studio on Capitol Hill with all the news of the day. Uh, so we've got Ronnie Jackson. Uh, yes, <laughs> I guess that's Richard <laughs> Borrow a phrase from Richard Nixon. We won't have him to kick around anymore. Um, <laughs> but we still have Scott Pruitt <laughs> to kick around, and the House is going to be doing that today uh, with a big uh, with his budget hearing on the date and uh, today, and trying to explain um, the many examples of how he has wasted taxpayer dollars. Uh, just one of the topics we'll be talking about this half hour with uh, Adam Smith, who is the director of Every Voice, keeping track of. Um, some of these fiscal abuses on the part, or financial abuses on the part of this administration. Adam, it's always good to see you. Good to be back. Thanks for coming in. Yep. Uh, and we'll get into that. And don't forget uh, that we want to hear from you with your comments of the day. Uh, give us a, a shout on Twitter, at BP Show, at BP Show. Jump right into all the news of the day, but first... 
with this Peter. is the Full Court Press. You got it. Just a couple of other stories making news. Well, this is a, a terrible story from the AAA Foundation for Traffic Safety. They report that hit-and-run crash deaths are up nationwide. And why would that be? Well, it's because more pedestrians and more people are biking to work. People are walking oh. to work and biking to work, so they're not driving as much. In fact, pedestrians and bicyclists account for close to 70% of the hit-and-run crash death victims, according to that new report from the AAA Foundation. So uh, the number of hit-and-run fatalities jumped from 61% from 2009 to 2016 to the most recent year, where it went up to nearly 70%, 69%. That's scary. Yeah, it's terrible, right? Uh, and, and some better news. I know you're a big Alexa guy. You've got your Alexa. I love Alexa. I know you love Alexa. Well, they are, Amazon is about to put an update onto Alexa. And you will get a new program on Alexa called Free Time, where you'll have to put it on and enable it. And what it does is it means that if you want Alexa to do something for you, you're going to have to say, please. Because they're trying to get more Alexa speakers in kids' bedrooms and in, in houses with kids so that the kids can say, hey, Alexa, play Sesame Street for me. And Alexa will say, what do you say? Oh. And they'll have to say, please, because they don't want these kids just screaming at things like, Alexa, play this or play Barney or whatever. They wanted to say, please do this. So some parents had asked about this and Amazon said, you know what? That's actually a good idea. We're going to make this for you. If you have kids, you just have to download it. Now, not only that, they're going to uh, they're unveiling a new $80 version of the Amazon Echo Dot which will come in colorful cases and a 2-year warranty that will replace the device if it breaks for whatever reason. The Echo Dot usually sells for $50. This mm. one sells for 80. So you're basically paying $30 for a 2-year warranty. Uh, I don't know about this. I you know my relationship with Alexa is well. You don't have to do it. Strange. I'm you gonna put on to mine just to force myself to be more polite. You are gonna do yeah, it. Yeah, you just you know set that for myself. <laughs> I think that's smart. I mean, look, I, I just, just to reiterate, you don't have to do it, but if you want to do it, why not make your kids say please? Well, the funny thing about Alexa is we find that sometimes. So I moved Alexa from my office down to the living room because we like I I, I love to listen to music through Alexa. Um, and if we're just, we'll end up in a conversation with friends mm. about Alexa, and Alexa hears her name mentioned jumps in the life and just jumps to life and says, <laughs> I didn't understand that. It's just like, a, just shut up. You're not part of this conversation. Back in 10. This is the Bill Press Show. Yes, indeed. He gave French kisses to President Trump one day, and he gave him the finger the next day. Yes, Emmanuel Macron was his address to Congress, uh, kind of dumping all over Trumpism and getting standing ovations from the members of Congress. Hello, everybody. What do you say? Great to see you today. Thank you for joining us on this Thursday, April 26th. It is the Bill Press Show. We're coming to you live from Washington, D.C., our nation's capital. With all the news of the day, and there is a lot of it, as always, every day is a busy news day under the uh, uh, Trump regime. Um, to help us through some of the news of the day, we uh, are pleased to welcome back to the studio from Every Voice, the director, Adam Smith. Hello, Adam. Hey. Great to see you, yeah, good as to see always. You. 
And we join you on every platform we can, you know, coast to coast. We're there with you online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show. We are joining you on Free Speech TV and on the great WCPT, that progressive foghorn of the greater Chicago area. Uh, whether you're listening or watching, welcome, welcome, welcome to the program. Adam, you weren't here earlier when we uh, told the the biggest news of the day comes out of the state of Delaware. Um, the state of Delaware, uh, the Wilmington News Journal has conducted its online poll, Delaware Online. Okay. Right, Peter, as the um, the asking people of Delaware the most famous people from Delaware. Not necessarily still live there, but yeah. from Delaware. You are a, a, a proud son of Delaware, as we I'm all know. I'm a proud know. son of Delaware, even though I now claim California, but yeah. moved there. But grew up in Delaware, went to high school in Delaware, uh, Slazy Adam High School in Delaware. And number five on the Whoa. list. Whoa! Congratulations. That's exciting. That's not the big news. Okay. The big news is who who's is not in the top five. Who's not in the top five. Who is number six? Joe Biden. Oh, wow. Beat Joe Biden, baby. Wow. <laughs> How about that? Mm-hmm. Wow. As a West Virginian, I, have I haven't been always pre- have that vice sort of president thing. of the United States. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's yeah. really impressive. <laughs> I, yeah. As a West Virginian where people, it's, I probably feel similar. If I were to be in that, I totally get. Yeah, totally. You, you know, right? <clears throat> yeah. There's some pride in that, man. Uh, what do no. you get? Do they, does anybody reach well, well, out that, to you? Well, uh, that's what we're trying to figure out. I mentioned earlier, I think the least they should do is rename the Joe Biden Amtrak station in Wilmington, <laughs> Delaware. Yeah. And make it the. Yeah, yeah. The, the or at least a lesser Amtrak station, even. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there, uh, there's only one. Oh, there's only Delaware. one? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know if they stopped at other places. No, there's no. only oh, one. In okay. Delaware. All right. No, I don't lesser station. Yeah, I did. You know, well, we, well, we did. I think it's a hard, you know, to to overcome that. But so we haven't heard. Uh, we haven't heard the rest. Or else I go back to Delaware and run for Senate or governor, something or president. Yeah, no, right. I'm trying right. to think of all the like famous exports from Delaware that you should. I mean, they should just bestow upon you. Dogfish head beer, of course. Dogfish oh, head beer, yeah. the first right. one that comes to mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Old Bay seasoning. Old Bay is from Delaware. Yeah. I'm not sure it is, but we, oh, okay. We, we use a lot of it in Delaware. All so. right. Yeah, sure. But um, I mean, you'd know better than I. The first, the first one I could think of was Dogfish Head. Uh, maybe I could get a, a, a free dinner at Lewinsky's on Clinton. That's right. <laughs> that restaurant. The in restaurant in Delaware. Yeah. Delaware City. Right. And a lot of that, of course, is I think due to the uh, publicity where I talk a lot about Delaware in my new book, From the Left: A Life in the Crossfire. Uh, and uh, with that little plug, you can check uh, more about the book on our website at uh, BillPressShow.com. But it got me number five on the list, That's damn great. it. So there you go. Um, what's going on with, I mean, Ugh. this is a an administration full of grifters. Absolutely right. Isn't it? I mean, everybody's in there, it seems to uh, just live the high life. Yeah, yeah. even this week alone, right? You have uh, Scott Pruitt, who's going to have to defend all of his ethical issues in the House tomorrow, or is that today? Today. Today. Um, you know, Ronnie Jackson, the VA, just, just had to pull out because of some issues around whether he was overscribing medication. And then you have Mick Balvaney, um, who basically put a for sale sign on the White House lawn this week. Yeah, no, he did. And then you've got Ryan Zinke, right? Yeah. So, and Ben Carson. Yeah. Yeah. Ben Carson with the dining room set, Scott Pruitt with the phone booth. Yeah. 
uh, Ryan Zinke with the palatial doors to his office. Yeah, uh, I mean, it, I mean, the issue is when it comes. David Shulkin. Yeah, when it comes to any organization, Tom any Price. company, leadership comes from the top, right? And from the beginning, the president has made it clear that ethics don't matter to him. You know, even his top aides who. Kellyanne Conway, within like the first weeks of the administration, violated the Hatch Act by promoting a private business, and, and <laughs> like she wasn't punished for it. So they have said, ethics don't matter, do whatever you want. Yeah, on, on many fronts, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Um, so when I, I, <laughs> I can see if they, if that they've basically, it's good enough for Donald Trump, it's good enough for me. Absolutely, yeah. And, you know, the thing about Mick Mulvaney's comments this week... Yeah, so tell people what Mulvaney said. Sure. So Mick Mulvaney... to a group of bankers. Yeah, so he's currently the acting head of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, created to rein in the excesses of Wall Street after the uh, economic collapse. Um, He's speaking to this group of bankers and uh, banking executives, banking lobbyists, and he basically said to them that when he was in Congress... Uh, he wouldn't meet with lobbyists unless they made contributions to his campaign, um, which as someone who has worked in this area for over a decade, I was shocked. Not that that was the case, that he did that, but that he actually said it. We're, we've reached this quiet part out loud era of politics where you say things that nobody is supposed to say. And by saying that, by telling these bankers, you need to give more money to Congress to get more deregulation of your industry, he's basically saying the entire system is corrupt. Right. I mean, he actually said, and you're right, listen, I've been around a long time, too, both at the state level and the federal level. We know that the people who write the big checks get the attention. They get their phone calls returned. They get favors done. They get all that kind of stuff. But to actually say, when I was a member of Congress, right, on the public payroll, that if you had, and you're a lobbyist, and you had not written me a check, I would not meet with you. I would not give you the time of day. It's it's the, it's, it's it's government by toll booth. Yeah, right? it's the definition of pay to play. Um, and it's for me, it's not just about Mulvaney's personal ethics, which it absolutely is. It's also an indictment of the entire system. He is one of a lot hundreds of congressmen, right? How many other people have that same policy, even if it's unspoken? And how you know, a couple years like. Almost 10 years ago now, Dick Durbin said, frankly, the banks own the place. And he was absolutely right. And it it is it shows Americans who are already cynical about our political system that what they think to be true is actually true. And it it speaks to the need to have a comprehensive overhaul of our elections and the way candidates run for office, because uh, we can't just tinker at the margins. Right. When you have this much corruption, well, we need to like do a big overhaul of it. No, that's, it's so true, and you understand, it just it, it reinforces the cynicism a lot of people have about the political system, yeah. which is my voice doesn't count. That's absolutely because right. Because my voice doesn't come with a $10,000 check. Right. No, Who? how many of Mick Mulvaney's constituents can write a $2,700 check, can write a $5,000 check like you know the banking packs can? Nobody. And he said in there, he said, oh, well, I would absolutely meet my, with my constituents without having to give campaign contributions. But how much influence do they have, right? When, when he has to make a decision, all right, should I co-sponsor this bill? Should I vote for this bill? He's going to know what who gave the money. right? Well, these people gave me five 
$5,000. I'm going to like to get $5,000 again. Maybe I'll just go ahead and co-sponsor it. It just skews the policymaking debate toward the wealthy and well-connected and against everyday people. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, some members of Congress are worse than others. I mean, I, yeah. lobbyists have told me about some of the ones I won't name, but who have a um, reputation for that? They know. Yeah. They know that if they go into that office, they won't be asked for a check before they go in. But they know by the time they get back to their office from Capitol Hill for, for certain members, there will be a call from that member's finance chair saying, we need boom, boom, boom. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this system, while we talk a little— That's so disgusting. Yeah, I mean, we talk a lot about how, uh, you know— corporate interest lobbies by influence. It's all sort of members of Congress know how to exploit the system. And I think a lot of lobbyists would be fine with just going in there and not having to write those big checks. Right. And that's the thing is like, I don't, I think we all need lobbyists. I think lobbyists are fine. They're, you know, constitutionally yeah, no, protected right. part of the uh, part of our process. Well, they, provide, they provide an important service. But they should be going in there saying, "Here are these are the best ideas because of this," and but now in this current system, they're saying, "Here are our best ideas," and also here's a check, you know. And the thing is, if people, you're generally nice to people who give you money, right? If someone gives me money, I'm probably going to be nicer to them than somebody who doesn't give me money. That is just human nature, and so you have this inherent. corruption built into our political system and Mick Volvaney just came out there and said it explicitly which is just not what people do right okay so now now let's come back and and take a look at at this at this lineup of Trump administration sure. so you mentioned I want to go through through them but but we're talking about again Scott in terms of money yeah. right Scott Pruitt and Ben Carson and Ryan Zinke and David Shokin and Tom Price and Mnuchin Steve Mnuchin, thank you, forgot about him. Yeah, right. At least those, okay? There are probably some others. Do you remember, I don't, but maybe I'm just got my blinders on. Do you remember any financial funny money scandals under Barack Obama of any of his people? No. I mean, there were a couple of uh, issues with Hatch Act stuff and some, like, a couple members uh, of the cabinet going to fundraise and maybe there's some minor issues there, but nothing about spending. And the thing is, like, I'm not against government spending on furniture or travel. We should be people should be free to be able to do their jobs. It's just such an abuse of that. And the issue is here is Scott Pruitt flying first class to avoid criticism and wasting all that taxpayer money while also making it easier for people to pollute. And so it's just it looks his his priorities are out of whack and it looks really bad. Well, you know, Senator Republican Senator John Kennedy from Louisiana yeah. spoke about this yesterday. Um, that you know, these are you're right. You want them to have the tools they need to do the job. Yep. Okay. But Scott Pruitt has gone way beyond, Absolutely. way beyond what he needs. Here is a, a Senator Kennedy in terms of wasting taxpayer dollars. This money didn't fall from heaven. We thank heaven for it, but it came out of people's pockets. It's what the swamp is all about, and if you don't respect taxpayer money, you're not qualified to serve, in my opinion. Don't respect taxpayer dollars, you're not qualified yeah. to serve. Uh, he goes on, this is, sound is not so great there, it's a telephone conversation, uh, about some of the things that Scott Pruitt insisted on. Here he Can't is again. You can go around acting like a big shot. You shouldn't fly first class if you don't have to. 
You shouldn't turn on your siren on your car to watch people pull over. I don't know why he needed a $50,000 phone booth or why he needs 20 you know, security personnel. And about the security personnel. Yeah. Now, I, I read that when Christine Whitman, who was administrator of EPA under President George W. Bush, she walked to work. Yeah. You know, she lived on the hill. She walked to work. Scott Pruitt has a fleet of 19 security vehicles and 19 people around the clock, 24-7, to protect the EPA administrator. Yeah, yeah. I, most people wouldn't know him if he walked down the street. Yes, that's absolutely right. And, you know, and he sort of admitted it, right? The reason he flew first class was because he didn't want to get it yelled at by people. Like, he was just afraid of Sierra Club members saying, hey, stop polluting our air and water. Uh, I think a lot of this also is, is, is an ego issue. Right. He feels like he is this big, important man. So he needs a secure phone booth in his office, even though there are already two at the EPA. Yeah. He needs 30 people around him because he's so important. You know, uh, this stuff happened in Oklahoma, too. He had a driver to be attorney general who drove him back and forth from his home, which was like two hours away, like every day. Um, I, I like like Donald Trump. He needs people to tell him he's big and good and important. And I think that. That's what some of this is about, too. Yeah, I mean, here in Washington, D.C., where there are a lot of official motorcades, right? I mean, I saw yeah. President Macron's motorcade uh, a couple of days ago. Um, but, um, you know, the EPA, cabinet members, cabinet members don't have no. that kind of security. No. Cabinet members. Sometimes the when they travel, they do, but not just going around town. But around town, yeah. it's one SUV usually at the most, yep. maybe two at the most, yeah. right? And um, but Scott Pruitt, 19, you know, this whole kind of motorcade thing yeah. is insane. Yeah. I actually remember coming, doing an interview here once and seeing a cabinet member getting out downstairs at the La Pan Quotidian, and, they, and she only had the, the one SUV. She just got out of the one SUV. And nobody knew who it was. I just knew who it was. But Yeah. No, uh, I, I mentioned <laughs> earlier... Uh, Kathleen Sebelius was HHS. That's who it was, actually. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. She was HHS secretary. Yeah. Lived on the Hill. Mm-hmm. And a and couple of times we were at different, uh, different events together. Mm-hmm. And she said, Bill, do you want to ride home? So, yeah. But it was one car, driver, and a security guy, yeah. and one SUV. Which and makes then, a lot boom. of sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But, but then, so then, by the way, back to Pruitt for just a second. So the soundproof telephone booth. Yeah. Who is he talking to that he needs a soundproof telephone? Well, it's a very good question. Um, You know, I have no idea. You know, what... So he's having some conversations with, what, some oil industry lobbyists that he he, doesn't want his staff to know about? Well, right, and he's also forbidden his staff from taking notes in meetings, too, which is really strange. Um, He said that they can't take notes. They're doing a lot to, like, hide um, the work that they're doing. Um, And... it's. I have no idea. And there are two other, like, uh, those booths, like skiffs, as they're called, at the EPA. Yeah. You just walk yeah. down the hall and go to one of them. He's just decided he's too important to do that, and they have to build out and waste all this money. Okay. So then we come to, let's go jump to Ben Carson. Sure. Right? Now, here's Ben Carson, who says, um, I mean, th- the way they handle that was so bad. So it's a $31,000 new dining room set. Yeah. He said he knew nothing about it. Then he said, "I, it, it, it's my wife's fault. I turned it over to her. But then we both agreed it was too expensive. I don't know. They, they just can't get their, their story straight. Uh, so he gilding his lily there with that. And then today he turns around and says, we're going to triple the rent yep. for poor people 
in public housing. Yeah. That's that's why all this spending is so galling, is they are living high on the hog, wasting taxpayer money while trying to hurt regular people. Uh, and why in the world was his wife making decisions uh, for what would be in his office at his job? Like, there's also some ethics issues with Ben Carson's family being involved in his role at HUD. What are they doing? Yeah. Uh, apparently, it was... Um from the that it's Candy and his wife and Ben Jr. who like are making all the decisions at HUD. Um, with, with they're not approved. They no, don't, I mean, they're no, not Senate no, approved. No. They don't have. They they have no reason doing that. And 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 I think also but he his, shuts the door to his office and it's his wife and his son and him and yeah. His son also has some issues because of some company, some businesses he's involved in, and whether that he's you know uh, mixing the work of HUD with those businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, then we've got Ryan Zinke over at Interior with the 130,000 new doors. to uh, Yeah, putting uh, that put, flag up, getting the it, coin print, minted. Mm-hmm, right. And, again, first-class travel, yeah. charter flights, charter to helicopters. He could go horseback riding with Mike Pence. Yeah. I mean, these guys, all of them, it looks like they came to Washington and they just see ka-ching, ka-ching, ka-ching. Right. This right. is their opportunity to um, – Line their pocket. Yeah, absolutely. Or, right. or at least, if it's not going into their own pocket, use taxpayer dollars so they could live high on the hog. Yeah. And these are all people who, uh, you know, would have criticized any decision Obama made about anything around oh, spending. They probably criticized him going golfing. They probably did this, but then they they come here and they do all of this and they abuse taxpayer money. Right. Um, uh, this is a, but it starts at the top with Donald Trump. Absolutely okay? right. So we've just talked about in the past when you've been in. Um, there is the um, emoluments clause of the yeah. Constitution, yeah. and there is the lease of the Trump International Hotel, both of which are still before the courts, correct? Yes. there. Um, I think there's an upcoming trial date in the next maybe two months on the emoluments lawsuit, uh, which is uh, to figure out what the next step is. The, a court has said you can move forward uh this is the D.C. and the D.C. And the Maryland, state of Maryland one. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think yeah. they're still trying to prove that they have standing. Uh, a, a judge was sympathetic to that, um, and so I think that that um, we'll have more updates on that in the next couple of months. Because there's no doubt, right? That I mean, Donald Trump is getting money from foreign governments uh, through his property. Yeah, I mean, just like last week, I think it was the Philippine government said they're going to have an event. At Trump's D.C. hotel, you know, a, a government that Trump has praised their authoritarian, uh, oh, yeah. you know, yeah. president. So, yeah, no, they absolutely are. They're, they're making all this money and uh, the Republican campaign committees are spending money to this hotel. He's just profiting off the presidency. Last week, you know, having the Japanese prime minister meeting at Mar-a-Lago. What does that mean? That means free international advertising for your clubs. Both uh, Trump tweeted twice saying, we are at Mar-a-Lago, we are at my golf club. Video <laughs> included the properties, which are really nice. And so he's uh, using the, pro- the, presidency, the presidency to profit. And it's, um, it's, it's offensive, and I think uh, more people should be upset about it, and uh, Congress should be doing more oversight of it. And still, um, he has not gone anywhere uh, out to dinner in Washington, D.C. In terms of a restaurant, yeah. he, he went to one private home yeah. once. Uh, in Georgetown, but in terms of restaurants, he's gone no place but his ho- his restaurant yeah. in his hotel. It's a massive grift. Like this is, 
I think the and I think the thing is the Trump DC hotel in Mar-a-Lago may be the only part of his empire that's like profiting right now and not facing, um, uh, you know, financial issues because people know to go there. Well, in the summer though, he's got Bedminster too up in. New oh, Jersey. that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, the Northern White House, the Northern White House, the Southern <laughs> White House, and <laughs> and this sort of uh, whatever we call uh, it yeah. doesn't have a name. Well, well, you know, it was funny. Said one time it doesn't have a name. What this building? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Right, it doesn't yeah, really exactly. have a name. Yes, it what, does. What could we call it's it? The White House. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, it was interesting when he first became president. They started calling Mar-a-Lago the Winter White House because yeah. he he took over as president mm-hmm. in January. So when he immediately started going down to Mar-a-Lago, they started calling it the Winter White House. And then they had to change it because they realized. Oh, yeah, we're going to be here year-round. We're not going to go there just during the winter. We're going to go there all the time. Yeah. So it's a Southern White House now. Uh, it's, it... But they do shut down during the summer months, remember? Yes, that's when he goes yeah. to Bedminster. That's when he goes to Bedminster. He goes to another one, yeah, another yeah. Trump property. Yeah. I... I will just... I will, I will... I don't know how much time we have left. Um, just a couple of minutes. So but... I... This is why I think... It, on Back to Mulvaney, which I think is really uh, a sort of a key admission this week is I think it's really important for people running for Congress this year um, and some of already already are to look at what he said and use that to campaign to say listen here's what's happening in Washington Trump's administration is putting for sale sign they're putting um, our government for sale and if I come to Washington I'm going to fight that I'm going to support reform policies that change the political system I'm going to uh, pass ethics bills to rein in the executive branch, and we are going to create a fairer, more just democracy. And I think that would be a really effective message for candidates, and they should all be using them. Well, this gets – I'm glad you went there because this – this I was going to go to that point. This gets to the bigger picture of how we run our campaigns yes, and how we finance our campaigns and how we raise money and the whole thing, right? And that's 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 where we really desperately need, need reform. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And I, I, the this the problem is that the, you keep the cost of campaigns are going up. Members of Congress know that they have to raise money as much as they can, so they're spending all their time raising money from lobbyists, corporate interests. It's keeping them from doing their job, and it puts up barriers for people to run for office, people without access to wealth, people who aren't well connected. You know, that means women, uh, communities of color, young people, they're all kept from running for office, even if they have broad community support. That's why we think member uh, candidates should run on and Congress should pass the Government by the People Act, uh, sponsored by John Sarbanes, which would create this small donor public financing program that would uh, break down some of these barriers and allow people to run for office. No, absolutely. And it's about time. I, I just wish there were more attention to that. That's one issue that uh, we don't hear talked about uh, often enough. Uh, Adam, so good to see you. Yeah, thanks, thanks for having so me. much for coming in. We are uh, going to take a um, – oh, that's right. I'm, yeah, <laughs> we do just, just a little more time, but want to mention uh, that Andrew Prokop, Andrew Prokop from Vox is coming up next. And the breaking news again at the uh, – we told you at the top of the hour is that uh, as it's not, unex- not unexpected – uh, Ronnie Jackson has withdrawn his name as the nominee, President Trump's nominee, to be the VA secretary I, in light of the more serious allegations that have come out. I actually have a question. Does he go back to being the White House physician? Uh, that's a good question. I don't have an answer. Um, I think it would be hard, right? I right? think it would be very hard. I yeah. agree. Yeah. What a I, total self-own. You I, had oh, such a yeah. cush job. With yeah. one patient, 
right. that you work for, mm-hmm. and you just t- completely screwed it up. Yep. And you Donald had... Trump will always embarrass you, no matter always. what. If you decide to work with him, he will at some point embarrass you. You get close to him, man, you are cooked, right? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. He is, he's the, He's toxic. Yep. Right. Um, just think, Ronnie Jackson, he had that cush job, he had one patient, Yeah. and he had all the drugs in the world. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And now what's he going to do? Well, who cares what he's going to do? But, but still. I mean, okay, so for VA Secretary, uh, Dr. Phil. <laughs> Donald Trump could do Why it. Why not? Yeah. Hey, Adam, great to see you. Yeah, Thanks for see coming you. in. Thanks. Download our podcast, search for The Bill Press Show on iTunes, and remember to rate, review, and subscribe. This is The Bill Press Show. And here we go on this Thursday, April 26th. How about it? Great to see you today. Thanks for joining us. As we boom out to you live, coast to coast, from our little studio here on Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. Good to see you today. And we're joining you, remember, online on YouTube, youtube.com slash The Bill Press Show, on Free Speech TV, and on the radio out in Chicago, the greater Chicago area, on WCPT, the progressive voice of Chicago. And we remind you, if you can't catch the entire show uh, every day, and who can... Right. Um, Check out our podcast. Podcast is up right after the show. Uh, You can uh, just go to BillPressShow.com or anywhere you get your podcast, iTunes or whatever, uh, iHeartRadio. And uh, we're there. Uh, When you go to the podcast, don't forget to sign up because if you sign up, it doesn't cost you anything. But you sign up, you automatically will hear from us several times during the day. We put up special stuff on the weekends as well. and those podcast numbers are growing, 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 and we want you to be part of it. By the way, you mentioned you got to subscribe. This weekend, we're going to be putting out a uh, another special podcast where we are going to be sampling some beers. Last week, we smoked pot for 420. Right. Uh, this week, we're going to be drinking beers. Uh, who knows what next week could be? <laughs> I was just going to say, people are going to get the impression that we're hedonists. Hey, here, you look. Know what it, but... <laughs> Do oh. what you love, and you'll never work a day in your life, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so look forward to that. Don't forget on our podcast. Lots going on. The breaking news today, of course, from the White House is that uh, White House physician uh, Ronnie Jackson, um, in light of new allegations, has withdrawn his nomination to be the v- the new VA secretary. Not surprising after what Donald Trump said at his news conference in the East Room of the White House uh, the other day. I was there when he had his news conference with President Emmanuel Macron, and uh, Donald Trump said, if it were me, I wouldn't do it. I'd pull my if name If I were out. him? Actually, in many ways, I'd love to be him. But the fact is, I wouldn't do it. Yeah. When he said, I wouldn't do it, uh, Johnny Jackson took him a couple of days, but he finally got the message, I guess. Uh, joining us in studio covers the White House for Vox, Andrew Prokop. Hello, Andrew. It's good to see you. Hey, thanks for having me. We knew this was going to happen, right? Yeah, I think this was pretty much a inevitable uh, since these really bad allegations started coming out. I guess last night was the final straw because um, John Tester, the top Democrat on the, the Senate Veterans Committee, came forward with just this really wild list of in quotation marks, everything that um, that he had been told about 
Dr. Jackson by, and his management. By 23 people. Yes. And he said every allegation had multiple sources. Uh, it portrayed him as just pretty much the worst boss you can imagine. It portrayed him as um, it, it alleged that he crashed a car, perhaps drunkenly, after a um, a party and... Um, and, and there's been this issue of dispensing uh, meds improperly. Um, mainly, it seems sleep meds, but also in at least one case, uh, Percocets. By the way, I, I just want to interrupt because, you know, Donald Trump uh, was Uh-oh. on Fox and Friends yes. this morning. And he was asked about the fallout from Ronnie Jackson. He said about John Tester, he said, quote, John Tester has a big price to pay in Montana, end quote. And set, and sort of puts this blame on um, on John Tester. You know, I in a sense, I hope they go after John Tester for this because I, I think that'll really piss off the people of Montana. If John Tester is saying, "Wait a minute, here's a guy who's supposed to be head of the VA administration, and he has been pretty loosely, pretty loose with prescription drugs." identified or described as the candy man handing him out on the on the <laughs> official uh, White House plane um, excessive drinking wrecking a government car and 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 that they're going to criticize John Tester for uh, being alarmed about this or making an issue of this yeah I, 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 I think that's somewhere they may not they may not want to go but here's my question um, Andrew which is um, Ronnie Jackson has been there under three presidents, and he was kind of revered until this these latest allegations came out. Why didn't we know any of this for the last 10 or 12 years? Yeah, it's really surprising. You still see even Obama administration people coming out on Twitter saying that they'd never heard anything like this. They, they would have been shocked to learn this. He had such a good reputation. I, I think one of the keys is that in that, tester uh list of allegations last night there was a a a section about how his subordinates said he he was a uh a kiss up kick down manager that that he was just very Mm, very good at schmoozing at at um at getting in good with with everyone above him him. and apparently the white house in general like because uh, but then anyone below him he was allegedly uh, terrorized. So, uh, and you know who else that's been said about is John Bolton. He, uh, he apparently <laughs> has a very similar management style. Oh, so. oh boy, I wouldn't be surprised. Not not necessarily those allegations, but in terms of his management style, I bet. By the way, the question I asked uh, yes, earlier, does yes. he keep his job at the White House? I was just going to ask that of Andrew. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, he, according to this story, he remains a naval physician assigned to the White House for now. For now. Whether he will keep the job as White House physician, I guess, is now a yeah, question. Yeah, I, I assume there's going to be some sort of report or investigation of some kind into whether, because if this stuff is true, he really shouldn't be but the, White House uh, physician. Uh, this yeah, would be Trump's yeah. call, right? Trump would make that decision. And if he he's already came out, he, he came out this morning on Fox and said these allegations are false. That's what Trump said. So, I mean, not that Trump is not able capable of changing his mind on these things right but or not that uh, he might not be telling the truth sure <laughs> no shock of Shocking. shocks right so i mean let's knows? remember how he got the job in the first place for va secretary nominee he 
went out on TV and and sang the praises of Donald Trump and said he was astonishingly healthy for a man of his age and um, in, in such good mental shape. And Trump apparently really liked to hear that now, you know, <laughs> wh- wh- whether he wants more candid medical advice in private, whether he would prefer a doctor who, you know, who who wasn't somebody who allegedly at one point was so drunk that he couldn't um, during a trip that he couldn't respond to an emergency when he was needed. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll see if he decides to stick with him. Uh, yeah, I think it'd be very tough to keep him in that job as White House, even for Donald Trump to keep him in that in that job as White House physician. Uh, yesterday, uh, a couple of days ago, I was there. I'm sure you were too in the East Room for the uh, news, joint news conference with uh, President Macron and President Trump, um, where it was buddy-buddy, the bromance, boy, they were exchanging kisses uh, right and left. Uh, yesterday, um, President Macron went in front of Congress with a slightly different message, shall we say. Uh, here he is, for example, talking about the fact that the United States might be out of the, of the Paris Accords for now on climate change, but he's pretty sure, he, he knows the United States is going to come back in. I'm sure one day the United States will come back and join the Paris Agreement. And I'm sure. Yeah, it's a standing ovation in Congress. So on, on point after point, he came out against tariffs. He came out against nationalism. He came out against uh, pulling out of Paris Accords. He came out against getting out of the Iran nuclear deal. I mean, he basically bashed Trumpism in front of the Congress, which was not exactly the message we heard down at the White House. Yeah, and it, and it was pretty funny because Trump himself promoted this speech on Twitter beforehand. He was really excited <laughs> Thanks about for it. reminding me. Yes, he did. He tweeted out, watch this speech. Yeah, I think he said this. This is going to be a rare thing, and it's going to be really, really good. And then, uh, so I assume he was probably not very happy with what he saw, but you know, who knows? Maybe he's he was too busy with his uh, consulting with his lawyers or dealing with the Ronnie Jackson thing to to. <laughs> I, I haven't I haven't checked Twitter in the last ten minutes, but I haven't seen uh, any rage against uh, Macron uh, or anything. Uh, like that there has there hasn't been. I, I I've checked. I I kept expecting it to say, <laughs> "How dare he?" Yeah. You know, kind of double cross me or whatever. And so either he's unaware, or maybe he just thinks they've got such a close personal relationship that all those policy differences don't really matter. I don't. I don't know. But it was a it really was a different message from Macron in front of the Congress. People were comparing it to uh, Barack Obama's State of the Union address. Yeah, yeah. He it, it was a, a thoroughgoing critique of Trumpism, like not not even just Paris, but you know, so many other topics too. Um and when it comes to just Trump's basic kind of I don't want to say isolationist, but but the the America first go go it alone mindset Macron was was basically critiquing and and saying that was a, a bad idea. So. Right. Um, there are the Donald Trump got somewhat of a win this week in Arizona. Yeah, I knew you've been uh, taking a look at uh, you've been writing a lot about 2018, uh, and and and. It's, for the Republican Party, obviously, their their attempts to hold on to the House and hold on to the Senate, Democrats trying to get both houses back, and a lot of question about how Donald Trump, what role he will play in these special in these in the elections this year. 
He did endorse Debbie Lesko, the Republican candidate in Arizona. She did win. But what's the message out of Arizona? I think the message is that Republicans should really be pretty worried because this wasn't Even a race. Even though they won. They won, and they won by— the margin has now dropped below five points last oh, I checked. Oh. She, she, Lesko yeah. won by 4.8 percentage points in a district that Donald Trump won by 21 percentage points. So, you know, that that is a big improvement for Democrats. It wasn't enough to actually win them the seat, but there are so many Republicans in, in similar districts. And if they if Democrats can improve their performance on Hillary Clinton's anywhere near as much as as they did in the Arizona eighth in, you know, th- this is not just, you know, when people look at the House, they often say there's 30 to 60 truly competitive races. But Arizona eighth would would not fall into that category under any normal stretch of the imagination. Uh, th- there was no reason to expect this race to be competitive uh, deeply red district. The Democratic nominee. They should not have had Republicans should not have had to spend any money in that in that mm-hmm. seat at all. Right? They, they I mean, ended it's up the pouring, reddest the reddest of the red districts. Yeah, in, the, in and their, they ended up pouring a million state. dollars into it. Yeah, um, but you know when Connor Lamb won in Pennsylvania, uh, a lot of that was attributed to the fact that he just had this sparkling bio he was a veteran he was a moderate republican said well you know he basically ran as a republican almost which he didn't but yeah, anyhow. That, that that's definitely a stretch right. but you know that was the excuse and then when roy moore lost in alabama the obviously there was a lot of focus on his uh his allegations and and that's you know, that that's called for. But in this race, there was really nothing like that. The Democrat was um, she was a former emergency room physician, but she hadn't practiced for 10 years. She was a first time candidate. And um, and they had some pretty good hits on her. Uh, she had been sued for malpractice at one point. You know, this is the sort of stuff that um, would usually, you know, pre- pretty good uh, oppo and hits on a candidate. And and she came within five mm-hmm. points of winning, even despite that, in, in this district. So it's it, it has some pretty worrying implications for Republicans as they look at how many districts they have that are similar to this. And it's just dozens and dozens and dozens. So on a scale of one to ten, chances of Republicans taking back, I mean, Democrats taking back the House? You know, I mean, things could change. It, the question is, if... Is it if the election was held today or is it, right. you know, in, in seven months? A lot can change in seven months. If, if it was today, I, I would say I would probably say a seven or eight. Uh, the only reason I don't put it higher is because um, the generic ballot polling uh, has has dropped off a bit for Democrats from where it was in December they have about a seven-point edge now when, when they used to have a ten-point dub- edge. Yeah, it was yeah. a double-digit edge. Uh, so it looks like that's tightened a little bit, but then they keep just, you know, really overperforming in these special elections where people are actually voting. So, you know, we've had enough special elections at this point, and Democrats have overperformed in basically all of them. And, uh, you know, it, it's, it's hard to ignore that. So on the Senate side, it, everybody agrees it's a tougher hill to climb for Democrats. Mm-hmm. Um, but a few months ago, people were saying there was Democrats 
that they'd be lucky to hold on to their own. There was no way they think good chances in the House, but but not in the Senate. And that seems to be shifting a little bit now because when you mm-hmm. look at Alabama, uh, when you look at Missouri and the problems that they've had there, when you look at what's happening in West Virginia with the Don Blankenship, the coal baron, uh, who is sort of embarrassing the Republican Party, but but doesn't is not going to get out, and you know he's with all of his background, and then you add a possibility of Arizona and a possibility of Nevada. You know, they only need what one seat or one to tie and two to take back control. Correct. Yep. yep. Yeah. And and that's why the do you, how Doug do you Jones read, how do, was so yeah, important. How do you because, read the Senate? Uh, I think it has shifted toward Democrats' favor. And you know, I was writing in in early 2017 that this was just you know one of the worst maps I'd ever seen for Democrats, and it still is. They have, um, I think, they're defending. Maybe it's 26 seats now that they have the Minnesota special election. Republicans are only defending uh, nine, nine. Um, now, now that they have the Mississippi special election. And uh, and not only that, but so many of the seats that Democrats are defending are in these big red states that, uh, that Trump uh, won by so much. You got West Virginia mm-hmm. with Manchin, Indiana with Joe Donnelly, uh, North Dakota, Heitkamp, um, Missouri, McCaskill, and and Montana, John Tester, and and there's even another tier of Democratic seats after that with Bill Nelson in Florida running against now the governor Rick Scott, who's extremely rich. Sherrod Brown in Ohio, they've always put a lot of money against Sherrod Brown. I think Tammy Baldwin in Wisconsin, Wisconsin, right? They they have such a rich uh, set of targets, but all all of these Democratic candidates are leading in polls right now, and. Things are not going as well for the Republicans in Nevada with Dean Heller, like you said. In Arizona, um, for for Flake's seat, they have this competitive primary, and and Kirsten Cinema has has been doing very well in polls. She's the, the near certain Democratic nominee, and and then there have been a couple of other sort of stretch possibilities that people have talked about lately. The Ted Cruz seat in Texas. Well, oh, Beto O'Rourke. Beto has has raised thirteen million dollars, based, you know, with with no corporate money coming in or or work or combining it with PACs or anything like that. He's he's outraised Ted Cruz when it comes to their actual campaign accounts, and there was a recent poll that showed him just three points behind him. So you know, obviously Democrats have gotten their hopes up in Texas many times before and gotten yeah, disappointed, right. but. Um, and then there's also the Tennessee seat with uh, oh, right Bradenson, the former governor uh, Phil Bradenson. Yeah, he's leading in polls too against Marsha Blackburn, the congressman, and 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 that could change uh, when she gets better known and starts calling him a liberal Democrat or whatever. Uh, that Tennessee is a very conservative state. Trump won there much more than he did in Texas, actually. But but you know, it's 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 looking much better for Democrats right now in their Senate map than they had any reasonable right to expect a year ago. Right. Uh, it, uh, <laughs> uh, and in Tennessee, um, Marsha Blackburn's chances were not really improved by Bob Corker, retiring Republican senator, saying that he is not going to campaign for her. Right. Peter. I just wanted to of... break in because we, we've the Trump, Fox, and Friends interview is happening this morning. Yes. Uh, he was asked about Michael Cohen. And he says, quote, Michael Cohen did, quote, a tiny 
tiny, tiny little fraction, end quote, of his legal work. Uh, And then he goes on to say, like this crazy Stormy Daniels deal, end quote. So he says he did a tiny, tiny, tiny little fraction of his legal work. Michael Cohen, who had an office right alongside of Donald Trump's office in Trump Tower uh, and has represented him for, I don't know, the past 15, 20 years probably, I think. Yeah. But, But you know, there's actually an argument that that's true. Prosecutors are saying a very similar thing, that Cohen, while he claims to be a lawyer and technically is uh, very little of the work he seems to have done is actually legal advice it he has this broader role in the organization of he works the, on business deals of the fixer yes he, yeah. he's but, the fixer and and the, the hush money payer and you know all <laughs> yeah. that's right but all lawyer. trump's lawyers themselves actually made the argument in court that everything that cohen did all day long, mm. all the time, was covered by the attorney-client privilege. Yeah. So right. his Trump's attorneys are saying that while Trump is saying something totally you different. You mean they're having a hard time getting <laughs> their story straight? <laughs> I, think, I think that's what I'm saying. Hard oh, to believe. I, that's I thought Trump didn't even know about the Stormy Daniels payment. <laughs> right, that, that's right. what he said. That's right. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, well, Michael Cohen, uh, I, I don't know whether they ask him about this or not, but we learned yesterday Michael Cohen has told the judge that he plans to take the fifth. Uh, Which is very interesting when we remember what Donald Trump thinks about people who take the fifth. (laughs) Let's go back to last summer, Donald Trump talking about some Hillary people who said they were going to take the fifth in the email investigation. So there are five people taking the Fifth Amendment, like you see on the mob, right? You see the mob takes the fifth. If you're innocent, why are you taking the Fifth Amendment? Yeah. Yeah. Did he ask that question about Michael Cohen? It is significant that Cohen says he's going to take the fifth. It is. So this is in um, the lawsuit that Stormy Daniels filed against him in California. Right. So um, Daniels is trying to get out of the non-disclosure agreement that she signed with Cohen. And, you know, Trump's name was on there, but he supposedly didn't sign it. And uh, so she's she and her lawyer have been arguing that the the non-disclosure agreement is invalid and and they're trying to get Cohen to testify about, you know, how it came about. And and so that was his declaration yesterday that he's going to take the fifth because because he said after the FBI raided his office, he realized that his rights to self-incrimination could could be a big uh, could be a big issue here and, and that he will not testify against himself in this in this lawsuit as the investigation into him continues. Now, I, I know I know that uh, the, that is totally legal, totally constitutional, but I must admit every time I hear about somebody taking the fifth, I, I just assume they're guilty. It doesn't look great. I mean, <laughs> you know. I mean, I hate to agree with Donald Trump in this case, but he was making a point. It's the mob, right? It's like the fifth, like the fifth. It's just automatically you think they've got something to hide. At, at the very least, he, he thinks he's in some trouble and, and can potentially be charged with certain things, whether or not he, he actually so do you it. buy do you buy the belief that the Cohen investigation, that the Stormy, well, everything I'm looking at, including the Stormy, Stormy Daniels with Michael Cohen, could be um, bigger trouble for Donald Trump than the Mueller investigation? 
You know, a lot of people have been saying that lately, and and I mean, a lot of people so, around Trump seem to your believe sources that. Sources at the White House, do they believe that? Uh, that's the line you generally hear. Like th- yeah. they've always feared that the the true, the truly damaging stuff is in the business, and there's always been this skepticism among Republicans close to Trump, close to the White House, that that there was any collusion. Like they they think that. The central question of, of whether Trump colluded with Russia that Mueller's looking into is gonna is gonna end up exonerating him because they just think can't he find it, do can't it can't find the evidence or couldn't couldn't or, find the evidence or, or that he just wasn't even yeah, strategic right. and competent enough to actually pull off something <laughs> like that. So, and you know it's a fair point. We haven't seen uh, any charges yet in this central matter right. of collusion, um, but. Uh, I tend to have a more suspicious view of this. I, I think we've seen a lot of reports trickling out, not from Mueller, but from people that Mueller has been calling in for questioning about the kind of stuff he's asking about. And he's really asking about a lot. Like, he, he is not anywhere do, close to done with this collusion question. He's he's subpoenaed the Trump business with regards to their Russia dealings. He uh, He is, you know, he called in... Former Trump aide Sam Nunberg um, a few weeks back, and and Nunberg says that he thinks that Mueller wants him to testify against Roger Stone. That that um, oh. something about Roger Stone and and WikiLeaks happened that's worse than we knew so far. So yeah, you yeah, know Roger Stone Stone has skated so far, but uh, I don't think he's going to get away forever. Hey Andrew, it's great to see you. Thanks for doing such a good job covering the White House for Vox. Thanks for having for coming me. in. You can follow him at Vox.com. The rest of the day is yours, folks. Make the most of it. Come back and see us again tomorrow.